Welcome to the Invisible India podcast. I'm Jessica. And I'm Abhishek. We are a cross-cultural couple doing life in India, exploring the lesser-known mysteries of Indian culture, interviewing fascinating figures who have chartered new territories, and sharing life as we raise our multicultural family amongst the complexities of modern Indian life. Jessica and Abhishek here. Hi. Yeah, I'm here. You have been so delinquent on this podcast that I almost kicked you off of it. Why? I don't know. I think I'm just letting you run with it. Well, since you've been so delinquent, you might as well come up with a good excuse for what you've been doing. What have you been working on? A bunch of things. Mostly to do with local projects that we are running, and just some travel bookings. Basically, getting ready for some trips in next couple of months. Mm. Tell us about their local project. One of the projects that I've been currently involved in has been to raise health awareness in the acute encephalitis. Usually lots of children die from that disease um, in this part of India. We have selected some people from through our network to go out and do drama, like skit. In Hindi, it's called Nukkar Natak. Via Nukkar Natak, they will raise awareness and ask questions, talk to people in that village. They will report back with what kind of uh, feedback they have received. So that's what I'm doing for the next couple of months. Nice. And we are currently in my new office space, which is actually in our house. One of the issues we know with our podcast being inside a concrete echo chamber where our concrete walls and we have shadi going on every night behind our house. We have, we've moved to a new place where on three sides of us, there's basically like three different wedding halls. So every night it's like, and it's like very loud. Wait annoying but <laughs> i'm happy for the other people also no like, you're not yeah. you don't care no i do i do care oh okay the okay. only thing is that i think usually by nine o'clock they phase them out yeah people the barat arrives so, and they kind of go to their wedding they get inside the wedding hall and start feeding people there is, there's a new law in india that i don't know if it's in our state or everywhere where you cannot have uh, loud music after 10 p.m. Yeah, I don't know if that's why they stop it or they just they just are done and the band people want to go home. Uh, that might be the case now. Only in the rural areas, maybe there's late night band, like 12, 1, 2 o'clock. I think that world is slowly ending mm. in the cities. Yeah, people have crap to do. You know, and it's like disturbing people and it's not like everyone can just sleep in in the morning and whatever. Abhishek is motioning to me wildly. Why are you motioning to me like this right now? I want to know. I'm waiting for my chicken roll to arrive. What? We were supposed to be fasting, but... You're supposed to be fasting today and you're ordering a freaking chicken roll? It's 10 o'clock at night. Where you go- what are you doing? Forget about the chicken roll and let's move forward. Just some food. Just you don't it. want to admit that you're eating chicken. Well, just to let everyone know, since we're talking today, we're talking about ask us anything. And the first thing you need to know about us, that we are in a mixed marriage. Yeah, very mixed marriage. Not only are we cross-cultural, but we are cross... How do you say? Like... Veg, non-veg divide. Veg, non-veg. The divide and rule. Yeah. 
it's 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 a big problem. Actually, it's not so much the veg non veg as it is other things, but like what? Like with the food, but like like what like other things? all of a sudden you became like anti salads. No, I ate salad tonight. Well, only because I forced you, and then you went and had a chicken roll anyway. I, I always eat salad when I'm asked and prompted to, not on my own. Uh huh. Right. But so I had to do more than nothing prompt. has changed about that. <laughs> Ten years of marriage, we're still where we started off. I think in the beginning you did it to actually appease me, but now you're just like, no, I don't want the salad. Don't give me the freaking salad. Don't give me the salad, Jessica. I ate one tonight, so I do want some salad. Uh-huh, sure. I did eat it. You did. Today is Ask Us Anything Part 1. We put out a call on social media to ask us anything. And we had responses from people all over the world. It was super fun. We picked some of our favorite questions. I actually divided them into two sections. So part one today is mostly questions like about our relationship. Second part is about life in India. Question number one, and I think multiple people ask this question. How did you meet and fall in love? Short answer, listen to episode number one, and that will tell you more. Yeah. (laughs) In short, we got introduced by a friend. Abhishek was in the U.S. studying. I was in India as part of an internship program. We connected via email because we actually had some just like information exchange about different stuff we were working on. That was when like Facebook was kind of new-ish. You know, we saw each other's picture and it just so happened to be that I had just been attending a friend's wedding and so I had some really like fly salwar kameez. I actually don't think it was salwar kameez, but I had like this really nice kurta pajama fancy outfit on and I had posted the picture as my profile picture. It would just so happen to be that he saw that. And you had... You don't remember what your Facebook profile was like at that time? Mm, maybe just my face. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> and that, that was enough for me. That just did it. No, you had posted a picture of yourself at a Yankees game. I don't really care about sports that much, especially American sports. <laughs> I, I liked that he was showing interest in something American and was kind of like getting the cultural experience. Like, oh, well, this guy's interesting. It went on from there. I went back to the U.S. We met. We actually had a bunch of mutual friends, which was really great. Yeah, we just became friends and slowly got to know each other and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. I don't really now necessarily believe in falling in love as much as I believe in. Being in a really committed relationship, it's a good thing. It um, doesn't matter who you marry, when, when you marry, where you marry, uh, you have to kind of work it out. You have to work out your marriage. So after 10 years, we're still figuring that out. That's true. So question number two from Ashutosh. Did either of your parents object to to your marriage. What was your in-laws reaction when you got married? Well, I guess I'll start with the second question first. We didn't like get married without them knowing. So it wasn't like a reaction, <laughs> you know, they knew about it before we only got married with their blessing. So we so, had only met like one year before we got married. 
So it was not one like, and a half. No, years. no, no. I'm just saying that we and we only were we were only like face to face in living in one same city for like six months, and nine months. months. Yeah. Like so that. basically, it was a one year long relationship, and some of it was so we were together not in the same city. So it was uh, two or three months of long distance and nine months of actually being in the same city, mm-hmm. uh, seeing each other and getting to know each other. So basically, it wasn't like years and years and years. Like what I what I usually hear, it's been like one, two, three, four years, and a lot of people and their parents still don't know, uh, and and because you know they they you know just everyone's in different circumstances, but we already kind of knew after like seven eight months of being in a relationship we were gonna get married, so we we started the process of talking to the right people within my family because Jessica's family is more we knew that oh whatever she wants to marry they will be okay with that generally the expectation in the u.s is that the american the especially the white black at least those two races that the, the people will have independence to marry but asian side is difficult i mean again generalizing a lot of asian families including south asian families it's not always the choice of the person marrying there's a lot more weight a lot more control that parents and the larger community has on the person there could be a lot of shame and honor kind of thing happening there for us i can we started talking to my family within like seven or eight months of being in a a relationship like i said two or three months out of that was actually uh, you know uh, long distance and four months five months was being in the same city it wasn't like oh hey we're getting married and like here what's your reaction it was like a very slow process we involved the family and we you know slowly just let the right people know and kind of went through the right chain of command like we didn't we didn't directly approach the elders of his family or like his parents and just say hey guess what we like each other and this is what we're going to do it's like it doesn't work that way you know you have to slowly like bring up the idea to someone that's maybe more your age that has that's really close with your parents so like an older cousin or sister or older brother or something like that so I think that's a good way of going about it is like slowly letting people know, getting warmed up to the idea. That yeah. worked that worked for us and we've seen that work for a lot of other people. I think um, some people just go for the shock factor of like my parents aren't gonna agree, so I'm just gonna do what I want and then they're gonna have to deal with it. Well you could do that, but there also might be a lot of risk involved. It just depends on your family. We we didn't get married without permission or blessing of either of our sides. That's our situation. All right, next question. This is from Elin in Norway. Have you had any negativity when it comes to your multicultural marriage from Americans? Um, in short, I would say no, especially now that we've been together for quite a while. But in the beginning, we did have a couple of people try to convince us not to get married. Um, that was people that are closer to us. And, and I think a lot of that is because of stereotypes that those people had in their minds or actual real experiences that those people had had in their personal life. So for example, one person had someone really close to them have their heart broken by an irresponsible young Indian guy. So they were really warning me, like, be careful about Indians. I'm like, yeah, okay, I kinda know like a little bit about a little bit about Indians. Oh (laughs) I mean that's that's the funny I'm not gonna go there. There's a lot more a lot more I, I feel there's I feel there is 
a good mix of Indian guys and girls that get married. I don't know. There are more. I don't know. What's the stats? Statistics. I would say the statistics are that men who grow up in India, there is probably more likelihood. Of, there are more percentage of those men who grew up in India who are married to non-Indians than girls who grew up in India marrying non-Indians. There are definitely Indian girls who grow up in America are more likely to marry non-Indians than Indian girls that grow up in India. Whereas Indian men who grow up here have some, they are the ones who are going to have more percentage of people who marry than Indian girls who grew up here. That's my understanding. And uh, in that case, because there are fewer Indian girls marrying foreign men. Yeah, I think that could have to do with just the power dynamics of being an Indian man versus being an Indian woman and kind of the freedoms that you have or the freedoms that your parents give boys versus girls. But let's not go there on this episode. The next question, this is just segues perfectly to what we were just talking about. This is from an anonymous person. Do you think more South Asian men should approach white or non-Indian women? Well, I don't necessarily care who does what, but let's talk about some facts first. In India and in China, because of serious gender discrimination, there is actually a surplus of 70 million men. That's right, seven zero million men. That's seven crores. That's a lot. So basically, there are a lot of Indian men that are not going to be able to find partners in the upcoming years. And this is largely due to major gender discrimination where people are selectively aborting female fetuses or not giving proper medical care to their girl daughters. So this is really heartbreaking, but it's a fact. It's just what happens here. So because of that, in the next generation, it's just starting to happen now where this kind of huge disparity is taking place. But in this next generation, we're going to see a lot of Indian men that are not able to find women to get married to. It's already happened in China and it's coming here. So to answer the question, Sure, why not? Because otherwise there are going to be 70 million men that can't get married to anyone. <laughs> There's my take. So because most of the marriages in India are endogamous, which means that they happen within their own caste, that stat- statistics of 70 million more men are not going to be evenly spread among the women in the sense that right. it's more complex. majority of people get married within their own community and there's no guarantee unless... The 70 million less women are all from few communities. Not all men are going to be affected. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, not all men are really going to be affected. But Because it's, just it's a, a very caste-oriented society. Right. And we're talking on a macro level here. So I'm not talking that in, in any every community. Like, you know, some people in our community have even, when I've brought up this statistic before, have said, It's like, well... That might be your view or your opinion because of your limited experience, but this is what's happening in the larger society. So the short answer is, sure, yes, why not? Go for it. Next question. 
from Cheris in San Francisco. Are there any hobbies or sports, food or other lifestyle choices that don't fit the other person's culture, but that you won't give up? Well, my husband eating chicken rolls at 10 p.m. does not fit my culture or my values. In my family, growing up, we would eat at 5 p.m., maybe 5.30, and you're done eating. And that's it. You don't eat. You would never dream of eating at 10 p.m. So that's a food habit. So I can never really decide that I'm going to be a late night eating person, whatever. That's just not me. So that's one little thing about me. Side note, just stabbing at Abhishek, giving him the side eye while he's, you know, thinking about his, his role. For me, there are a lot of hobbies or activities that I really enjoy that don't really fit into Indian culture, but I think we make space for each other in those things. For example, I'm a really active person. I really like enjoy exercising and running around and, and having a lot of physical activity. And India, as some of you may know, in general, is not a very like active society, especially if you're women. And so it goes to show, I participated in a 10K race last year and I am not a very good runner. I'm not a fast runner, but because there were so few women participating in my age category, I like won a prize in my age category. And that's like pathetic because there were just no women participating. So that shows that how inactive society in whole is, especially for women in your mid thirties who like have kids and have a ton of responsibilities at home. So that's one thing for me that I have not given that up, just exercise and things like that. And while I know that it conflicts a lot with my other responsibilities and other things that people expect of me here, it's just something that I, or I don't want to stop doing. I think the first couple of years when I was in India, I just I didn't really like express interest in going to the gym or doing a lot of exercise. And I definitely suffered because of that. So that's one, one thing for me that I would share, but things are changing a lot. I think, I think in urban places, it's like ridiculous to think about someone not letting their wife or their daughter-in-law go to the, or things like that. But, um, where we live, it definitely still happens. I don't really think I need to give it up, but it definitely conflicts with my other, responsibilities here in our life. What about you, hun? In a, in a positive way, there's a lot of independence of what you want to eat or don't want to eat, right? So if my family was purely vegetarian, this this would apply directly. So yeah, I know I, I don't really think anything with, with food necessarily doesn't apply as much. But uh, with hobbies, fishing and football and I don't know, just whatever American hobbies are. <laughs> yeah, um, like hunting. You, I don't know. Like, I guess for you, you would say that, like, just not being interested in those things has been fine. Yeah, and sometimes it is. Uh, you know, sometimes it does, um, because hobbies in America are like a big thing uh, for people to socialize through. So not having a lot of hobbies or just being sport and going ahead with something, that's okay. But I'm since I didn't grow up doing any of this, 
I don't really always enjoy unless unless the people that I'm doing it with is are 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 really already my friends I don't really enjoy the activity as much if some people like strangers want to just go out hunting or fishing I don't think it's going to be as much of a uh, pleasant experience for me unless I already knew a lot of people on that outing then I would probably enjoy it mm, so it's like socially driven for yeah, you yeah not as activity driven. not not as like individually this is my interest this is what I want to do it's like if other people are doing it I'll I'll go with it but otherwise otherwise it doesn't really matter so just like not having American hobbies has been something that you've had a journey with and just said like actually it's cool i have other friends that have different interests that i don't feel like i have to fit in so last question from pat in chicago she's talking to me here what has been the most difficult adjustment you have had to make to indian culture jessica and for you abhishek to american culture and how are you handling it with your children we could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> Initially, my in my first couple of years, I would have said just like, and this isn't part of Indian culture, but it's a it's a byproduct of Indian culture. Um, would be just like the environment in India, like the traffic, pollution, the garbage. Like that's the initial things that I think were an adjustment for me. Um, but now that I've I've been here in around in the Indian community for like. 14 years or whatever, I would say that probably one of the biggest adjustments that I continue to have to make is just differences in gender roles and how men and women are treated totally differently. And that's okay. I think I'm under the view that I don't think men and women have to be treated exactly the same, but I do think that there needs to be equality. Equality doesn't mean identically, I would say. So, you know, for example, if somebody got in a, a car accident with Abhishek here, they would come jump onto the car and start screaming at them at the top of their lungs. If they got into an accident with me, they probably wouldn't start screaming and waving their fists at me seeing that I'm a woman. And I honestly appreciate that. I <laughs> So that's one way that, you know, they, they could be obviously angry, but, you know, I do appreciate that, you know, I don't want a man who could definitely like beat me up, start screaming and waving his fist at me. So that's one way that I guess it's like a slight difference in how I would want to be treated differently as a woman than a man. Maybe that's a poor example, but I think for me just, you know, seeing how much just blatant inequality and in, is here. It's just every single day there's something that that comes up that rubs me the wrong way or that I just have to adjust to. For example, the other day I was out and there were some kids playing on our property and they knew they shouldn't have been there. So I went, I had gone downstairs and I told them, hey, you know, you guys need to go play somewhere else. This is private property. And they just sat there and they looked at me like I had just not said anything. Or that I was speaking like a different language entirely, or they didn't understand me, and I I knew they understood me fully, completely, and uh, I had asked them, "आप लोग कहाँ रहते हो? कहीं और खेलो? अपने जगह में खेलना है? अपने पार्क में खेलना है? यहाँ पे नहीं खेलना?" So they just stared at me, and then as soon as our neighbor came home, he scolded these guys, "Hey, यहाँ से हटो!" And all he had to say was one sentence, and because he was a man, they all ran off. So. Just that kind of stuff really irks me sometimes. So just adjusting to that difference and knowing that people are going to treat me differently because because I'm a woman. Okay, so for me, 
there were there there was a lot of adjustment at different levels in America. I was uh, in America for three, uh, two years before I met Jessica. So I was already sort of getting my feet wet in the culture and in the as a student and living in <clears throat> on my own. So there were some challenges or new things that I had to get used to. I would say like socializing, socialization is so different and I think that was one of the challenges of how you how do you actually become friends with people or does the other person even know what the friendship that you expect even look like. So basically like if you find other Indians in your community in America, then what happens is that you kind of already know what the expectation is of a friend. Oh, you're going to hang out with each other, you're going to cook food together, eat together, go out. And, there's, you know, like you're the same, you know the cues. Uh, but sometimes, like, you don't know exactly what the boundaries are of friendship. And, I mean, I think um, having deep friendships on your own terms was difficult. So you had to learn American way of doing friendship. And once you get comfortable with that, then it's fine. But it takes time to get comfortable with um, doing American way of friendship with American people who don't know your culture, what you expect out of friendship. So there's appointments, there's like lots of calls before you actually meet anyone. And then, uh, and mean the, texts, not calls. Right, now calls. Right, yeah, <laughs> a lot of texts and a lot of a lot of coordination is required to meet someone, and then uh, and then generally you are, um, and generally what I felt was very hobby oriented. At least a part of, um, part of Indiana I was part uh, living in. It was generally hobby oriented. There were a couple of outlets for me where I've really made friends. Um, there were a couple of outlets, like being part of two different uh, gatherings that I was part of as an international student and also uh, just, um, yeah, a community that we were part of. So basically those two things, those two communities actually provided the, provided the most friends and the deepening of friendships. But otherwise... The friendship is, is quite different in U.S. And it can be quite lonely if you're on your own and you don't have a big group of friends. And uh, and if you're not part of a vibrant campus, I, which I was not. I was, I was living on my own and I was my, my school was like my college in India. We say college. My college was like 45 minutes, an hour away from where I was living, the, the city I was living in, the town I was living in. So I had to build my own friendships outside of my campus, which was uh, not natural necessarily. So so I think socialization was hard and getting used to that. And I still, in some ways, it's still not easy because it's a totally different culture than Indian culture. People think differently. People behave differently. People, well, people are just different. And you can't expect them to know you and your culture and what your expectations and needs are as an Indian. So you have to play in their turf. And slowly, hopefully, you can find those people as well. That are, I think I have a pretty decent group of Indians mixed with internationals who grew up in maybe, I don't know, non-American country. And then Americans, Americans from cities and rural areas. And so I, I like the diversity of that friendship. And any one of them can be deep friends with you. And now I think I'm 
you know, like I feel like I can have deeper friendships and different levels. But yeah, it's still, I mean, you know, it's not going to always be easy. It's not easy here in India to have deep friendships anymore for me, as I feel sometimes. So, so yeah, so that's, that's my take. That's great. So I think we'll wrap up this section and listen in for part two, where we talk more about our opinions and the uh, answering questions about life in India. 